welcome back to another episode of the NES Experience. Thanks for tuning in and make sure to like and subscribe to our podcast. We really appreciate it. And this episode, I'm actually back in Connecticut. We are on the North Haven Hamden border at the new NES Sports Performance Facility. Ned has moved and this is actually our fourth uh facility now we have been through four facilities so that's a lot of facilities uh i've been part of the move for one but how was your move to this fourth facility ned was it enjoyable was it fast yeah the move was uh quick we signed a lease on the 16th and we basically had 14 days to come in repaint redo the flooring and just get everything ready. So absolutely exhausting. We had a lot of help um, ranging from my athletes to uh, colleagues, coaches. Um, everybody kind of got in quick and handled business. Um, there, is, there were a couple mishaps and mildly comical things. We're also on, I don't know if you can hear it, but there's a train going by we're near some train tracks on the north haven hamden border learn something new every day so apparently there are trains near us but uh yeah so i mean nes is a family and i try and incorporate the athletes in into the work concept so i hired a couple of my athletes to do some of the what i thought was easy stuff so one individual not being named he had a he had a tough run uh in the nes uh preparation period so he uh it was an absolute train wreck ranging from his tape job looked like stevie wonder did it i love blind people uh to his the room that we're sitting in that he painted he decided to paint the middle but none of the cracks or the corners or the trim because that seemed hard for him so the best way he figured it would all just blend in you know it all blend in when it dries no it doesn't so and then he followed that one up with the the trifecta of there was no garbage can so he decided to throw all the paper towel with paint in it uh and probably the paint into the garbage can and then his partner in crime you know looked and said well if he's gonna throw it in there oops i gave away gender uh then i'll throw it in there so football players uh so yeah they just decided to pump the toilet full of toilet paper on day one and i don't know if anybody knew this do you know who knew i I do not mila my eight-year-old i go to mila when i get home and i said mila I said, are you supposed to put paper towels in, in, a, in the toilet? Oh, no. Do you remember years ago when Lexi did that? And and that's that's a no-no. Go to Lexi. Lexi, what do you think about throwing toilet paper? Or, I'm sorry, paper towel in the toilet. She says, Mommy yelled at me when I did that years ago. I'm like, right. So she's six. Anyways, you would think it would be a common thing that you would know not to put a roll of toilet paper down the or a roll of paper towel down the hole, and it did. So we've been with, we are going through this whole process without a bathroom. So that's a lot of trips outside uh, to get your business done. I didn't have to bring in the camping potty. I thought I was going to have to bring in a, 
I have this ridiculous camping potty that my mom gave me. It's from 1983. I can't go on to the store. Well, I can't go on the story. So we would go on road trips and, uh, you know, this is the annual Cimmerline vacation going to Florida and it's a 25 hour drive because you can't fly because that costs money. Um, so it's way cheaper to drive. So in the process of driving, we are in a big Ford conversion van It had a bed in the back, luxurious, nobody buckled in because it's Indiana in the eighties. And uh, parents, it had a 32-gallon tank, so parents didn't want to stop. So what do you got to do? You got to go to the bathroom. Yo, I got to go to the bathroom. Go in the back. So basically the camping potty was in the back of the van, and there was two big windows in the front, and I would just sit down, and, you know, I'm dropping a deuce. Car still moving because we got to get there quick. Uh, so I would drop my deuce, and then... Uh, and then, you know, you tie it up, and then in classic Ned fashion, you throw it out the window. Uh, and sometimes in incoming traffic, and this was supported by my by my parents. So, went off on a little rant there. Anyways, a lot, lot of, a uh, lot of, lot of problems over there in Indiana. How, how old were you when, uh, when you were taking these trips to Florida? Uh... Starting age five. There you go. So that that's, you know, that's a hard one. Because at age five, you know, if your parents tell you you can just take a shit and throw it out the window, you're going to want to do that. After all, we are descendant from monkeys, and that was that's their favorite pastime. Yeah, and then I probably did it up until 14. There you go. I mean, it's still, it's before your brain's fully developed. So I... you. How many cars did you hit? Normally, well, that I mean, safety first. So, you know, my parents were very, very, you can't throw the bag out until there's no cars behind. But sometimes, most of the time, I followed those rules. None of them, maybe one hit a car one time. But, I mean, that's like 10 trips to Florida and Tennessee because Tennessee was 10 and a half, 11 hours. We were trying to make it there on a tank. So collectively, I did maybe only one car. So safety first. Gotcha. What a uh, wonderful surprise it must have been for that car. So uh, I guess that's probably enough of uh, shit stories for the day. But our episode this week, we're going to try and do some quick hitters, kind of just fire off some topics and get Ned's take on them. And that's going to be what we do this week uh two weeks from now we'll probably do something different so we'll see what happens when that comes around but our first segment or topic of today is going to be lower back pain now i knew a voodoo doctor who had a secret remedy for lower back pain and his belief was that if you just shoved a finger or two up your ass your lower back muscles would contract and like spaz just just enough to reset things in the right way and that's what he recommended for lower back pain. Ned, do you concur? Is that true? That, that's a thousand percent true. And actually, uh, one, my high school quarterback coach, my senior year at KO, he had a receiver who had lower back pain when he was in high school. At and the receiver had to play in the state championship game. So... You know, 
the voodoo doctor uh, got him ready to go. That's terrifying. Happens. You got to do what you got to do to get on the field, apparently. I'm probably going to take a little bit of a different approach that might have similar results. So lower back pain, very common. Um, first, we have to go over what you shouldn't do. So I have to put put it out, get out the extinguisher. Um, people are still doing this. But the worst thing to do for lower back pain is back extensions and crunches. So uh, that's a big no-no. Um, so with lower back pain, every case is different. What you do is you want to try and find trends when you have... I have people come in all the time with lower back pain and it's there's there's just typical things that are going on in the body that I want to uncover. And the first is you always see weak glutes, weak hamstrings. Um, they, they are part of the core. So when, when people are like, Oh, your core is weak. You have lower back pain. It's what are you defining as the core and what are you addressing? Because your rectus, your six pack and trunk flexion is, is your core. But a lot of times that's a contributing factor to the lower back pain. Cause if your upper, uh, rectus six pack or lack of six pack is in a shortened position, it's going to play a role in the pelvis and rotating the pelvis and putting it out of position. So, um, strengthening the glutes and the hamstrings help keep everything in alignment, help keep the pelvis in a neutral position. Doing excessive crunches, uh, actually has the counter effect. Um, when you look at the lower back, doing a lot of, there are very few people with a weak lower back. Most of the time it's the, their lower back is overactive and it's taking over as a prime mover and functional movement when it's supposed to be a stabilizer. So, you know, having those muscles strong enough to stabilize is a good thing. But when those muscles are taking over, um, and not, playing the role that they should because every muscle has a specific role in action then that's when you come into problems so doing back extensions is just going to overdevelop the back more and get them to fire more prematurely and you're you're fueling you're fueling your problem with that so good things to do it's called draw-in technique draw-in technique is pulling your belly button through your spine um, activating those muscles, the deep pelvic floor muscles to help keep the spine in a neutral position. Um, you know, strengthening the rotational muscles, core stability. So your planks and your, well, eventually weighted planks, cause you don't want to do a plank for 30 seconds, then a minute, then five minutes, then 20 minutes. That's the improper progression. You would want to plate load it. You typically, I don't want to go off on a plank rant. Um, but you want to strengthen the transverse abdominis through stability, strengthen the rotational muscles, um, the dynamic stabilizing muscles, that's why we do single arm farmers carries and offset things, which force, you know, a, a structural or structural stability through dynamic movements. Um, so those are the muscles that you want to strengthen, glued hamstrings, transverse, transverse obliques and rotational stabilizers. And then you got to look at what's tight. Um, and then everybody's a little bit different, but you know, things that we see over and over again, the tight hip flexors, because people spend all day sitting. Uh, once we start strengthening the glutes, because weak glutes are a component, then the glutes being tight, um, hamstrings are always involved. So there's lower back pain isn't one, it, there isn't one thing you would do to fix lower back pain. There's 
of seven different things you have to address. Your psoas and your hip flexors need to be lengthened and your quads tight. That needs to be lengthened. And the glutes and the hamstrings and the transverse and the rotation, that's seven things that you need to address to get your spine in an, in an alignment to where you get relief from it. So there isn't one or two sponsored Instagrams. Hey, three ways to, to eliminate lower back pain. Three ways. Yes, yeah, so I do these three dumb exercises and my lower back pain goes away. Who wouldn't sign up for that? And that's why you should have professionals addressing your situation. And if, and if your situation is severe enough, then you should go to a very good physical therapist, you know, for more and then, and you go up the chain, but trying to do self-diagnosis or just dealing with it or taking misinformation from the internet, uh, is not your, your path to making your lower back feel better. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, moving on to our next topic, uh, kind of inspired by my dad he has become a gluten-free and a vegan and even though he's not an athlete I wanted to get your opinions on it uh, what his diet is is well it's basically no meat isn't really getting a lot of protein and yeah I know protein and dieting is a huge part of just athletics and I know that gluten-free and vegan is definitely becoming more uh, predominant in athletes. I just wanted to kind of see what you thought about those things. Uh, yeah, the vegan thing I'm not into at all. I'm generally completely against vegans and athletes. I always look at the other side, so I don't follow trends. I, I take my own path. And part of the problem with being a vegan and being an athlete is you know, you, you, you have to, in order for it to work, you have to follow the rules as close to a hundred percent as possible. You want to eat meat. Okay. But how are you getting, we're going to use protein, protein and athletics. It's not netology. They go hand in hand and it's necessary. A lot of people do too much protein, but when you're a vegan, your, your ability to get protein, your options shrink. So We've talked about the bucket list and eating, having to eat the same foods over and over again. So when you are vegan, you have, you're shopping out of a way more narrow bucket list of options of foods. You're more likely to routine eat and you're more likely to not stay a vegan. So it's very, it's, if you make the decision to do it, you're supposed to do it the right way, which means how are you completing your proteins? What foods are you mixing to make sure you're getting all the amino acids that you need to do and the, the volume of amino acids that you need to take in and the complete proteins? Because you can't just routine eat one thing and always be out of balance with all the different types of protein you need to take in. Um, fun fact, if you are a vegan, you should get on creatine every day. Um, because creatine is mostly found when you are going to find it in meat sources and, and people have low creatine levels that are, that are vegans. Um, and it helps, you know, complete their whatever path of being a bullshit vegetarian, but it's not sustainable. Typically you see people, they start as vegans and they do it for a specific purpose. Look, if you win the lottery or if you're a professional athlete and you have your own chef that's a registered dietitian and they can break it all down for you and you're getting this served, 
I'm 100% on board with it if you want to go with that route, but you better have a really smart registered dietitian to make sure that you're doing the right things. Once you work in, you know, even if you have that, it just becomes, it's, it's harder to take in a high amount of calories. So if you look at, I mean, basically every one of my professional baseball players right now, they all need to gain weight. And, and it is super, super hard to gain weight when you don't have any limitations outside of allergies. So if we want to try and work in vegetarian, you got to gain 20 pounds in the off season and you want to be vegan. I mean, ultimately, yeah, in Candyland, the concept is great, but the, the practical application and the rollout and following it the right way, I just see most people don't do it. And when you're on, I always go back to the timeline, everyone's running out of time, whether I get you in college or I get you as a freshman or sophomore in high school, you have to hit the measurables, you have to hit your weights, you have to look a specific way and dabbling around with being a vegan when you're going through this process, you do it wrong, you don't go, you don't gain the weight you're supposed to, you're going to end up not hitting the measurables that you need to get, you know, recruited, or if you're at the professional level, they're on a timeline too. So it's not like you go make, you know, pro baseball and you're, you're signed up for 10 or 15 years. There's, there's high expectations and it's super competitive. And I cannot have one of my athletes take a whole off season to experiment with not eating, you know, any meat at all. I don't even know. I don't know all the breakdowns like fucking ovotarian and bullshit, but look, you want to cut out red meat? I'm down. But you're never going to sell me on not eating fish. You're never going to sell me on not eating eggs. Um, you know, so the 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 fish eggitarian, like I'm down with you if you want to go that way. Because red meat, eating a lot of red meat causes inflammation. I mean, it does have a lot of health benefits and it helps with weight gain. But we can over, the, you know, cutting out one aspect is easy. You start to cut out chicken, you're having more problems. Hope you like eating fish every day um, and hope you like whatever, eating a whole bunch of beans and farting your ass off. So, but you start, the more you take away, the more unsustainable it, be, it becomes. And then you're sitting there and you're just eating shit. Like you're going to whatever, a Turkish restaurant in Bridgeport at some point in time. I'm sure they're going to do it right and it's going to be good, but you're missing out on a whole bunch of fun stuff. If you go out to the restaurant or whatever, it's just, I am completely against vegans. Don't hate me, but you got to understand what I'm doing for a living. Um, and I, I kind of know what I'm doing sometimes. So, and then gluten free, which I didn't even tap on. Look, if you're super allergic to gluten, then uh, you can't have gluten. You got to go gluten free. But this, once again, it goes back down to the, once you find out these kids, you're on the move. They got, I can't even get the kids to eat before they come in or eat the right. I'm just trying to get them the right foods to prepare them, their bodies to perform. So, and how many things? So we tell our athletes, this is my pre, this is pre food or pre competition or pre, um, exercise, tryouts, whatever food, peanut butter and jelly sandwich or peanut butter and honey are on hundred percent whole wheat bread. There's not a lot of things because not everybody can make, I mean, brown rice. I mean, it's, it's, you, we can prepare everything or you're eating out of wrappers, you know, before your game completely. 
Um, so that eliminates that. Another thing I have people do is high protein granola. Um, it's a complete meal in a bag. I know there's some damn gluten in that. So that's no, no, I think granola actually for the most part is usually gluten free. Okay. Uh, yay. So that stuff tastes like bird food. So, so you're going to give me that. That's okay. We'll eat the bird food. And then my third option, Bella Vita bars. Once again, I think they're General Mills. They should pay me. Um, it's a it's a, a slower absorbing carb, which is what you want, you know, before working out. You're throwing any of my wrapper stuff out in the garbage. So, the Nature Valley high protein bars and these slow absorb. I mean, I'm to the point where I'm just trying to get athletes to have slow absorbing carbs to give them steady energy levels through play. And when you take out the gluten component it becomes more difficult to give them the slow absorbing carbohydrates that they need and their bucket list shrinks and you're eating bird food every day. So I'm trying to put you on a rotation of three or four different things. So for your whole athletic career, you don't get burned out. I'm the biggest anti eat one thing over and over and over and over again, because eventually you're going to get tired of that shit. And then you're going to revert back to eating cheeseburgers and fries, which we had a Hamden Hall kid last year, a football player, and he's throwing up at halftime. So that's great. Side tangent. There you go. Uh, Gluten-free only if you have to, and uh, vegan uh, only if you're an adult that doesn't care about anything. Fantastic. Moving on to our next part, kind of keeping in line with food. Uh, the past couple of weeks, I, uh, I listened to a podcast, pardon my take, uh, free ad, and they had a guy named Liver King on there. And then I also go to a farmer's market uh, about once a week to get food, uh, mainly red meat, and they also sell liver there. So got me kind of curious, do you have any opinions on liver? And are there any foods that people, you know, I guess in America used to eat? in the 60s, 70s that we've gotten away from that actually used to be good? Uh, my knowledge on liver has decreased along with the demand for people eating liver. Um, it's super healthy. Honestly, Google it. Uh, I don't want. I don't even know all the health benefits. My mom had was liver and onions as a kid, and I know she had me taste it, and I was like, wow, that tastes like ass. And then probably she had me try it again, and then I was probably like, it tastes like ass. So is it super healthy? Uh, yes, I think it's pretty verified that it's healthy. It's just, I don't know, maybe, have you had liver recently? Does it taste good now? Do they make like better tasting liver? I've, I've never had it. I was considering buying some and, and trying to make it. I was told by a an, an experienced woman that... You cook it with some butter and a cast iron skillet and salt and pepper, and you just kind of turn it over every five minutes until it looks done, which I don't know if how it would look done. It would look like the bottom of my shoe, probably. Well, you're not wearing shoes. That is correct. I'm not, if I was wearing shoes, then uh, it would be. But no, we have turf in our in our lounge now, so my feet are soaking up the turf. Thanks for exposing my lack of footwear. There you go. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I don't really, I've never had liver. My mom actually made sure I never had liver because that was the food that she hated the most when she was growing up. 
Why don't you ask me about what I think of the liver? Is it the liver king? Yeah, the liver king. Well, do you want me to ask or you just want to tell me about the liver king? What What are your thoughts on the liver king, Ned? Uh, I don't follow him too much. Look, I just want to put it out there that the liver king is a business and my guy needs to make money. And being a ripped up guy... There have been you've you've heard many allegations, including on I think the Joe Rogan show, Joe Rogan's opinion on whether he was using maybe some performance enhancing drugs to make himself look like that. So this turns into, you know, the the problem that I have with it is everybody's just trying to find a gimmick or some bullshit. And this guy is like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to get all juiced up and I'm going to, I'm going to pitch this liver concept and make a bunch of money. And I guarantee he's made a bunch of money because he's viral. So, I mean, he, he achieved his objective, but you know, I just, I think that's selling some fool's gold a little bit. And I mean, guys are suckers. Sorry guys. Me too. To some, when I was a kid, I looked in the magazines and I actually thought that, you know, by taking the bullshit supplement, the pre-workout that I was going to look like him. Like, I guess I'm part of the, the being a dummy, but I mean, you're just, if you're trying to do what he says and going through that whole path to be the liver King jr, man, you ain't going to look like that. You got, uh, there's just not enough in the time. I mean, the, you know what the liver King can do? He could work out six hours a day. And his whole business is driven on his physique. Really? I mean, that's what, if the if, if I was the liver king, if in, in looking the way that I look, nobody's, nobody's getting on that shit. So, I mean, these guys are, you know, they're marketers, they're promoters. Well, I mean, I guess entrepreneurs, but you know, it's, it's, they're trying to make a buck and his body you know, helps the process of him making a buck. So, um, but no, I haven't deeply researched the liver King, but I do want people to understand that this is all marketing bullshit to, you know, and that it spills over into supplementation. They spend all their money mark in marketing and putting the money in the magazines and not the quality of the product, which is part of the reason why we're so, such big fans of thorn nutrition, because, they make high quality absorbable supplements. There is no magazines with ripped up, roided out guys, you know, that's like, take this creatine, you look like this. So, I mean, I don't like the false, it's to me, it's false advertising. So, yeah, you're definitely not gonna, well, I don't expect to start eating liver and then just get a six pack. Uh, I, I am gonna try it. I'll let you know how it is. I'm interested to see how it tastes. But I, I also am a sucker. I mean, I still think the Yankees have a shot to win the World Series. Uh, you know, I'm still drinking celery juice, which I don't think is actually the worst thing. I think there's, well, we talked about it before. There is some benefits to celery. Um, another topic that we have, moving on, is cardio. And it's really just doing only cardio. Uh, a lot of people think, you know, oh, I'll get a workout and I'll go run. And that's all they do is run. Uh, all the people will do is walk. I know hot girl walks were a big thing this summer. Uh, now that summer's winding down, you're probably going to have to do something other than walk. 
Are there any benefits to just solely doing cardio? What are hot girl walks? So hot girl walks, well, that's a great question, actually. Uh, I take walks around my office building complex after lunch. I was told that there are hot girl walks by the, the people in my office. I guess girls in the summer were supposed to go on walks, but when you go on walks, sometimes you get hot. Got it. Um, so with cardio, first off, I mean, you got to look at your situation. If you, if you aren't doing shit, then, you know, getting up and moving around, hugely important. You can do whatever you want. So in those beginning stages, it's not like, should I let, I mean, it, it, you can go either path. So it's get up, it's doing, it's get up and move around. Some people don't like to do cardio so they do strength training so if you make that move you're fine um we're talking about the people that still haven't gotten off the couch and taken any action by the way and then some people part of that getting up and taking action is standing up and walking around your work complex of even though that's very midlife of you to do that it's really depressing it's it's pretty brutal it honestly sounds sad um, but I'm happy that you're moving around, but it did make me a little bit sadder inside to know. I just see just like this corporate building and you're walking through the lines and you got to take like seven laps and you're sweating. Maybe you get the sweat ring on the polo and you're a big guy, sweaty pits. You come back in and you're like fucking trying to air out and shit. I mean... It's but here's the thing: you get PTO days, you get vacation days, you get so many good things that I don't get. But I get to rock a t-shirt and shorts all day and and move around. So uh, that is a benefit of my job. And sorry for burying you on your those walks, but that's fine. Everything you said is pretty accurate. So yeah. Um. So. Once you've gotten up and moved around, if we're looking at long-term changes, the answer is you want to do a blend of both. The problem with cardio only is cardiovascular work is catabolic. It burns muscle tissue. So let's take the, the you know, 26-year-old got up. She's past the, I'm using a girl. This is actually a real, a real person. So the first thing was taking action. I got to take action. So you take action and then, you know, you go and you're getting results and you're because a lot of it is you're not even it's just the, the psychological component of overcoming that. And you move on. Now you're a couple months. You've lost 10 pounds and now you're in some sort of shape. Um, you want to start to flip and do the strength training because that's anabolic. It builds tissue, muscle tissue. And it raises the amount of calories that you burn on a day. It's, it's once you get lean mass, it's resilient in the fact that unless you completely stop what you're doing, you could maintain that. So by doing all cardio, so now you're, now you've went through that phase 26, you're running seven miles a day. The good news is you're burning fat. We know that cardio, you burn fat. Everybody wants to get lose fat, burn fat. It's great, but you're also burning lean mass. So what, what's, what's happening is your basal metabolic rate or, or your, your metabolism when you're not doing anything, you're, not, you're improving it a little bit with the whole you're more efficient you know, with your lungs and everything. But 
you're you're lean you have no you're burning the mass right off your body so to some extent if you can keep on running for the rest of your life seven miles a day and you're just always chasing that then you're okay but as we know it's hard to do long bouts of cardio for long periods of time and when you come off that um and stop running then your body basically is the your metabolic rate is now dropped which means and it because of an injury because if you're running seven miles you're going to start to deal you could start dealing with you know ankle issues and shin splints and knee issues and hip issues before you know it you know you or birth you're you know having kids or um the 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 game of life takes you on a separate turn and you have to step away now when you're now you're doing nothing or you're doing minimal and you you can't eat as much food and everything is going to revert back quicker because you didn't have the base of strength training to build everything up so you don't just i tell every and do you want to know who that was that i was talking about go for it my wife so um and not just her it's just that's the whole group somebody listening right now is the cardio only person and it's just it's not going to work long term um you want to start doing strength training by strength training so for me i haven't been able to work out for two weeks my first workout in two weeks was me and you going golfing today um but because i'm beefy and i got a lot of lean mass i can get away with it because i have enough mass that um you know just by restricting my eating i'm not going to gain any weight and I, my lean mass is still allowing me to eat, you know, 2,200 calories to maintain the same weight. So I don't have to diet it at all. My lean mass is still there. And then it just, it has long, strength training has longer legs than just cardio. So you can burn and lose the weight. So this is why I'm, if you're going to pick one or the other, you want to pick strength training because you're going to, if you're doing a, a, a good program and it's designed well, you're putting on the lean mass, you're raising your resting rate, you're raising your metabolism. And when you do have to step off and, and not exercise as much, you're going to have less loss and it'll be easier to get back where you were. Even though you take a, a bunch of time off strength training, it's, it's de very defeating when you step back in because you're not going to be where you were when you left off. But that's the same thing as running. Um, that you have to kind of work through as long as you can slowly acclimate back into it. Um, you, you're going to get back where you were quicker than it took you to get there. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, I, I think it does. Uh, as someone who has definitely gone through a lot of phases of working out and not working out, it does make sense. Uh, I too can also, I'm a bigger guy, so it's easy for me to just kind of shut things down and not eat and then i'll lose a couple pounds or, or just keep the same weight so yeah it, i i do think i've just noticed it more too when i actually start lifting weights i actually start burning more you know weight off of myself quicker than if i just went for for runs for like a week or two straight but uh moving I, on oops sorry i got one more thing to add um also, if we're talking about the purest of vanity, which I'm not a vanity guy at all, but maybe it's my eye, but the cardio only people, I can kind of pick you out 
because sure you could be skinny, but when you, your physical appearance, you know, it's cardio only guys. Sometimes we're like the skinny fat guy. It's like, you got nothing behind it. So people are like, Oh, I want six pack abs, but all they do is cardio. But by doing that ab work in the strength training, that's going to make those muscles bigger which you combine with the cardio, which takes the fat off, and that's what gives you the abs. Oh, I want arms like so-and-so. Well, by lifting, the muscle gets bigger, the fat gets smaller, and that gives you, people use this, tone. There's no, there's no such thing as tone. Tone is like a visual appearance of, and that, what that visual appearance is, is muscles, low fat, low, you know, low fat and, and action, an actual muscle, to create shape and definition also called or also known as being tone quote unquote. So, yeah, I always wanted to get toned up a little bit, but just never really worked out. I just went for functional strength much more, you know, up my alley. So moving on to our next topic, sponsored ads on Instagram. I know just talking to you, uh, you know, in person and stuff, not on the podcast. This is a topic that's near and dear to your heart. Uh, I have seen, and I know you have seen a plethora of Instagram ads saying, Hey, try these three exercises to get rid of your back pain or do these five things and you'll get abs in six weeks. I mean, I know it. that shit's just bullshit. Why is it bullshit? So the sponsor ad things out of control what I learned is apparently whatever shit you click on, it starts to send you all the same type of stuff. I probably should have learned that years ago. So one night I was like, oh, this is a bullshit sponsored ad. You know, let me click on that. And then there was like 78 more. And I got to the point where my scroll didn't even have like my friends or followers and like the people that I knew. It was just sponsored after sponsored ad after sponsored ad and uh what these sponsored ads are at this point in time they're like infomercials so young millennials don't know anything about infomercials but what they are doing is they are imagine this it's a business and all those sponsored ads are businesses and they're trying to make money um and what and they don't want to work so what's the best thing is create the three best ways to become faster um, and then they show you three videos and then it's usually either linked to, you know, whatever, 1995 a month. And the, you know, there these guys are just like, you know, in their basement writing programs that, and workouts that they did and they maybe lost a little bit of weight or something. And it's, it's, it's an absolute, it's an, it's a train wreck and there are no three exercises that are going to get you to anywhere that you need to be. Like we use hundreds with research and planning and timing and, and variable loading. And there's so many things that go into to taking somebody and helping them, whether it's get faster or gain weight or lose weight. Um, but everybody is just trying to make a buck and not work. Everybody wants to work out of their house and just sit here and talk like we are and, you know, get people to believe the things that they do, but there's no, a lot of them or most of them, there's no back. It's flashy videos, athletic people running around, good camera angles. There these people are being hired 
to, to come in there and, and perform a lot of the exercises and you put it all together and it's flash and they write a list of the shit and they give you a shitty demo video. You're not improving human movement. You're selling some bolt. You're selling a $40 pack to get people to do whatever they're pumping thousands of dollars into these sponsored ads to advertise. Cause their goal is to be able to sit in their basement or in their gym and have people do all these and make, you know, $40 a month. And then, it's putting it's just it's almost like the the supplement companies that are putting all their money into marketing and so the 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 quality of the product they're not they're not addressing and they're not worried about their guaranteeing results or actually creating a chain a change it's putting a whole bunch into marketing to try and sell something and make it's making people believe that it actually works and i can't fire off any of these specific ones but it's the ones that you see over and over and over again they don't work uh and it's unsafe so i saw one where it was it's just five exercises every exercise there was a component of it that was done wrong and it was super high level stuff it was like Basically, out of all the athletes that I have right now, one athlete would be qualified to do three of the five exercises. The one was completely dangerous, and the other one was, I mean, I've won one out, and I have, we know, we're the 7%. All of the these kids are going to go on to play college athletics, and you're putting out a sponsored ad with super high-level stuff, You're and then... You know, little Jimmy Dickface, the little freshman at wherever, he's going to do this video and he's going to do all these unsafe things and he's going to hurt himself. Really, they should be sued for the injuries that they can cause because they don't even know why they're doing it. They stole it from somebody else most of the time. And it's even if they did the exercise the right way, is it being done at the right time? with the right athlete. There's so many variables that you can't scale something out that's universal for everyone. So, Yeah, and I know I've uh, called out my dad and said something about my mom on this podcast. I'm going to go for the trifecta and now call out my girlfriend because none of the three support or listen to this podcast. So I can speak with impunity. And my girlfriend, it's not sponsored ads, but it kind of goes in the same thing where she does these, uh, <clears throat> she does, I guess they're like some app where it's a, a remote training where they put a video on and you just kind of do what they do. And I noticed like she was just doing the workout in the living room and she was doing like bent over rows and we've done bent over rows before. I hate them. They suck. But the biggest part is because it's a very specific form you need for him, so you're not going to throw out your back. And she was just rounding her shoulders. Everything was just rounded. And it's like no one can actually point out the things, you know, on an app or on sponsored ads in Instagram. If you just watch someone do something and kind of do like monkey see, monkey do, like, I mean, that is how you get hurt. You break shit and then you go back to your team. And you're like, well, what are you trying to do? It's like I was trying to, you know, do like v-ups with ankle weights and a weight vest on me it's just ridiculous shit that goes on on the internet 
Yeah, they, I mean, just taking the dumbbell one-arm row, you can watch a video of it being done perfectly, so I'm sure the video looked like it was being done the right way. Was the video being no, done right? No, no, no. The, right, the, well, the, the video form was shit. Okay. So, I was trying to give whatever she was doing the benefit of the doubt, but we just have to assume. So, let's assume that they actually showed it the right way. When you look at that, there are specific things. Like you said, if you're... If your middle back is rounded, you're putting pressure on your lower back. Do they have a nice curve Is in, in the lower back? Is the chest up? So when they're on the bench, are they loading the right way? You have to look at the pull path. The difference between doing a row the right way and the wrong way is, is a game of inches. So you keep the arm tight to your side and use the middle of the back. You're doing it right. If you shrug and the elbow comes out, you're doing it wrong. But who is there to tell you right and wrong? Because part of the purpose of doing the dumbbell one-arm row is to improve stability in the shoulder and strengthen your rhomboids, your scapular retracting muscles. But we know in-house I'll coach someone and their pull path will be correct in the first couple sets and then fatigue sets in and then they're man-trapping. So by using all-trap two in your row you are increasing your chance of something called upper cross syndrome or rounded shoulders, internally rotated shoulders, internally internally rotated shoulders and elevated traps causes shoulder instability. So you're doing an exercise. If no one's watching you, you're doing it the wrong way and you're either going to hurt your lower back or you're going to strengthen the wrong muscle and long-term increase your chance of a shoulder-related injury. So you could tell your girlfriend that. I, well, I probably will. She won't listen, but she should because she has shoulder problems and always complains about them. I wonder if the bent over rows are the things causing those issues. Oh, wow. Uh, moving on to our next and probably final question. Uh, kind of bit of a segue. Uh, if you have hurt shoulders and they're pretty banged up, would you say that that athlete is hurt or are they injured? And what's the difference? So we've sat here many times and said, what's the difference? Uh, when I talk to football coaches and they're like, hey, are you hurt or are you injured? Or if you're hurt, it means one thing. If you're injured, it means a different thing. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, it, I, I don't I don't understand it. Um, I'm going to try and figure it out right now. So I guess if you're hurt, that means that you're hurt, but you're good enough to go out there and man up and play or one man up and play. But if you're injured, that means that you fucking have an ACL tear or you blew your shit out and you're a pussy and you can't play. I think I got that right, didn't I? According to football coaches. You know, I I think you did. I didn't think you were going to, and that's why I threw the question in there. But I think you do understand the difference between being hurt and injured. Like, I blew out my ankle, and but I was hurt. Because that's when I met my voodoo doctor who put my ankle back together again. But when I went to go see the doctor before I met my voodoo doctor, he said you're injured and I'm putting you in a hard cast for six weeks. So to the doctor, I was injured, but in reality I was hurt. Right. So 
The answer is, if something doesn't feel right, you should get it addressed as soon as possible. And it doesn't matter if you're hurt or injured because whatever the hell is going on, you need to take care of it and be responsible. So in that particular scenario, the doctor was right and you probably should have put it in a cast for six weeks, although I don't know the, the details of the injury. But you chose to be hurt and not injured. So you had an injury and you should have put it in a cast. Instead, you chose to be hurt and you figured it out. But did it work? So it was my senior year of high school. It was our third game. So, and no, the doctor was wrong. I was hurt. Because if you're injured, you can't play. But I was hurt, so they got me able to play. All right, all right. So, well, here. so Aaron Rodgers uh, was clotheslined in, like, you know, the beginning of this Bears game. People have been talking about this on the internet. He was hurt. Because they gave him all the Percocet in the world and then shoved him back out onto the football field. So we'll go back to you. So I remember your ACL was torn. Hold on. Your ACL was torn, but you walked out back on the field and you took a snap and you dropped back. And then your shit buckled, and I think you collapsed. So does that mean that your ACL injury was only hurt because you were able to walk back out on the field and take a drop back, and then did it not become injured again until your shit crumbled and you fell to the ground? So I, I was hurt. I hurt my knee my senior year of high school. I remember the exact play. Uh, I got like uh, a kid just put his helmet right into my knee. It was a 50 yard penalty, unnecessary roughness, locked out my knee. Ever since that, my knee was hurt. So when I tore my ACL in college, I convinced myself I was hurt, but no, I was, I was, I was pretty injured. It was really bad, but I, I did, I didn't go back out on the field. I told the trainer I was fine. And I was being a pussy because I, I heard it pop. It didn't hurt. But then I fell on the ground because that's what happens when you tear your ACL. You fall on the ground. And I just started cursing like a sailor. That's the only way to describe it for about three minutes. It's just nonstop. Like they moved the drill. They took several snaps as I was swearing. You know, they just let me go. Uh, and then finally the trainer was like, all right, are you done? Like, we'll get you up. And I was like, wow. Man, I really overreacted there, guys. Uh, I'm ready to go back out and get my reps. And they're like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, the, we are not letting you go back out there. And so I started to do some 50% dropbacks. I did about three, and they said, go full speed. And then, yeah, it was very apparent that I was injured at that point in time. Well, I guess we figured it out, whatever the hell that was. Yeah, I think it's more of a mentality thing. You know, like if I was just able to block out the pain, it would have just hurt. It just sounds like some manly man bullshit. I, that's yeah. I mean, it's I feel like the whole hurt or injured thing 
it really just comes down to at the end of the day, whenever you play like a, a sport like football, you're always banged up one way or another. So really, it's just a question of can you get on the field or can't you? Uh, other sports, I, it, you know, basketball and stuff like that. Like I remember Kevin Durant, his Achilles injury. If people, you know, wanted him to come back and play, and as soon as he did, it just popped again. And like that's a, a case where a guy's injured but they're trying to push him back and it just, it really fucks him over for, I mean, for another year and a half, I think. Yeah. But, uh, now that we've settled that little, little debate that we've been having between ourselves for the last few weeks, hurt or injured, uh, I think that's probably going to be it for, for our podcast this week. Is there anything else that you wanted to close on? No. Fantastic. Well, I think it's been a great episode. Our first one here at the new facility. Uh, do we have a, a name for the new facility? Is it just the, the North Haven Hamden border place? Uh, the address is 2155 State Street, Hamden, Connecticut. It is conveniently located in the heart of beautiful New Haven County. Uh, there's a train that's apparently about 100 feet from us. I think you guys just heard that again. But if you are listening and you are in the area, if you haven't, if we want everybody to swing by. We actually might do a grand opening or reopening or whatever, a little thing where everybody comes in and, you know, connects and things like that. But we're, I'm all about people coming over and seeing the new place, jump in, grab a workout, uh, especially guys that, you know, post NES or athletes uh, that are now NARPs. Uh, come in, get a free workout, take action, walk, move around, maybe walk around your, your building at your, your job and then get in the car and get a real workout and come here. So fantastic free workouts, always a great open invitation. So thanks for tuning into this episode. We really appreciate it. We are working on getting our, our YouTube channel and videos up on YouTube I've uh, been working on it for a little while, so eventually that will come. Keep your eyes open, and we will have an announcement when that time is ready. Until then, we will see you in two weeks.